and welcome to the I Am Woman Project, where every week we have deep thought-provoking and interesting conversations with thought leaders, change instigators, rule breakers and creative minds who think differently, sparking creativity and inspiration. Our special guests on our show cover a variety of topics just for you, and they share their personal stories to inspire, motivate and empower you, our listener. The I Am Woman podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes are found at www.catherineplano.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. This week, we have another super special guest for you, as always, Dr. Roberta Shaler. As a relationship consultant, mediator, speaker, and author, Dr. Roberta Shaler, known as the Relationship Help Doctor, provides urgent and ongoing care for relationships in crisis. Her mission is to help people stop tolerating abuse. Dr. Shayla focuses on helping the partners, exes, and adult children of the relentlessly difficult people she calls hijackals. She offers strategies for dealing with the constant uncertainty and jaw-dropping behaviors of toxic people. Author of 16 books, including Escaping the Hijackal Trap and Stop, That's Crazy Making, and How to Stop Playing the Passive-Aggressive Game. She is also the host of three podcasts. The Relationship Help Show, Emotional Savvy and Save Your Sanity. Dr. Shayla asks, what's going on in your relationship? And I'm about to mention a couple of comments. So do you actually connect with some of these comments or thoughts? The first one, I can't put my finger on what's going on anymore. I feel like I'm going crazy. Or nothing I do is right or good enough. Or it's always my fault even when it isn't. And I'm so tired of the drama, the outbursts, the attacks and the cycles. Dr. Shayla knows it's very debilitating to feel like you never do it right or well enough. That every time you become hopeful that you can find honesty and safety, you are taking a risk that seldom turns out to improve communication or resolve conflicts. She knows this because she lived through it too. It leaves you feeling exhausted, anxious and uncertain. Unfortunately, you might also feel guilty, like you just didn't do enough, give enough or be enough. And that's not true. It's now time to tune into this very brave and inspirational woman, the Relationship Help Doctor. Enjoy. So today we have a super special guest for you, all the way from San Diego, Dr. Roberta Shaler. Welcome to I Am On Project. Thank you so much. It's delightful to be here. Absolutely. It's an honor to have you on the show. So as we like to start with the the, uh, the show, we always like to unpack our woman of inspirations. What's your unique story? How did you get to where you are today? Well, as you know, Catherine, I work with the partners, the exes, the adult children and co-workers of difficult, toxic people. So I got to this place by being born into a family full of them. 
And of course, I didn't realize that at the time. No child does. You're raised by them. I always knew something was off. I was on my way to become a medical doctor. Just before I went to medical school, I found that I was pregnant. So I switched to psychology and got a doctorate. But I've always focused on helping relationships and crisis, whether that's at work or at home. And then slowly I began to specialize working in the field that I do, which is helping these people who are with difficult, toxic people to recognize what's happening, to realize what has happened to them as a result, and then how to recover from it. Mm. So this is a big topic. When I think about toxic relationships, and I see this quite often, people uh, stay in toxic relationships because the pain of leaving is greater than the pain of staying. It's that whole concept of, you know, better the devil you know. What are your thoughts around that? Well, I think, first of all, people don't recognize that they're in such a relationship for quite a long time because of the dynamic that's created. You know, my I trademarked the term hijackle for these people because these are people who hijack relationships for their own purposes and then relentlessly scavenge the relationships for status and power and control. And so when you are singled out by a hijackal, it is probably because they have a very good radar for people who will be compassionate and loving, try to please them, or to people who have been previously abused in some fashion, verbally, sexually, physically, emotionally. And so the relationship starts with you trying to please a person who will not be pleased. And so you just keep trying harder and harder. And as you try harder, they make everything more and more your fault. And as that happens, your self-esteem takes a tumble. And so you get into a place where you feel immobilized. And in many cases, the hijackal has done something that seemed like a great idea at the time. They've taken over the finances. And so you are in the dark and slowly having no control over your own life, which makes it very difficult for some people to get out of such a situation. They don't want to be treated poorly anymore, but they actually don't know how they will physically or financially remove themselves. The emotional part they could perhaps deal with, but the physical and financial much more difficult. Oh, I can relate to that. I know and a couple of people that are staying in a relationship that probably well and truly outdated purely because of financials. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. So how do you work with people like that? I mean, even those that are in a toxic relationship, and for our listeners, I'm sure they're curious too, how do you work with someone to build enough courage to actually think for thyself and uh, that is, you know, uh, and not be so afraid of that change piece? Well, it's a slow process. I wouldn't like to give anybody any idea that there's a quick fix, but there's a turn of mind that has to take place, a mindset shift that has to say, perhaps this is not my fault. Perhaps everything I'm being blamed for is not my fault. And when you begin to entertain that notion, you begin to build up again. There's a turnaround that says, wow, what if it wasn't my fault? What if this is all because somebody else has difficulties in life managing relationships without exerting nothing but power and control? And when we turn that corner, 
and we get some help, we can begin to see how they've impacted and imprinted our lives, and we can begin to say, no, that's not all right with me. And as we start to do that, we begin to see that we have the right to take up space and draw breath. We have the right to be assertive. And in my definition, assertiveness comes from knowing that you have both those rights to take up space and draw breath and the right to say what you think, feel, need, and want as long as you do not include anybody else in the statement. So if you, if you never say you do something that makes me feel like that, you're safe. If you say, I feel disrespected, I feel uncomfortable, I need time, I need space, and you're speaking only of yourself, it's a really good first step. And the second step is to learn to set non-negotiable boundaries with consequences. Oh, I like the non-negotiable ca- uh, boundaries. So what would be some of those uh, uh, as an example? Well, hijackals love to run over your boundaries. They love to do that. So you begin by clarifying within yourself maybe one thing that's not okay with you that is going on in the relationship, and you state it. You say, I I feel disrespected and I don't want this behavior to continue any longer. I would like to uh, have agreement that that will not continue. You may or may not get agreement. It doesn't matter. Then you see if it occurs again, you restate that. You say, no, I think I previously said that I don't want this behavior to occur anymore. <clears throat> then on the third time it occurs, you say, I don't want this behavior to occur anymore. If it does occur, this will happen. In other words, I will leave the room and stop talking. I will move out. I will, you know, whatever you're going to do. But make sure it has teeth. Make sure it's something that you can do. And make sure it's something that you will do. Mm. So how does this play out in a workplace? Because if you're talking about status, power, and control, that's borderline bullying, isn't it? Oh, it's definitely bullying. It's nothing borderline about it. If I want to have you completely under my thumb and I will define your reality, I will tell you what you should think, what you should do, what you should feel, that is absolute bullying and full-fledged bullying. Yeah, I did. I didn't know if I was if I was on the right path saying yeah, that is bullying or whether borderline bullying. Yeah. So thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, it, it, it is important. And in the workplace, of course, you don't have exactly the same things. You know, I've written 16 books, and one of them is called Wrestling Rhinos, Conquering Conflict in the Wilds of Work. And it's very important for us to have very good communication, conflict management, anger management, and negotiation skills wherever we are. But in the workplace, they're absolutely essential. And so it's very important also not to get in a bully's face. You know, you want to stand up in a strong place, but you don't want to be in their face. And so there are techniques that you have to learn and strategies and skills you have to have in order to take the steps that are possible for you to take. Now, that may not solve the problem. However, you will have done all that you can do, and that's important. Because mm, I'm, I'm curious as to what would be some of those steps for our listeners because I know definitely I, know, I do a lot of corporate work and, and I know that there's uh, a lot of fear-based decisions. Why, you know, I, I, fear-based purely because of that leadership is very much that controlling, uh, it's all about status and power. 
and you can see how this plays out. The other person becomes almost subservient and, um, you know, not stand up to what they believe. They're more a follower and, you know, that kind of thing. So what would be some of those steps for those that are listening to this show right now are in that situation? What would you um, share with them? I'll give you a special technique that I created. And if people want to find it, it's in my book called Kaizen for Couples, K-A-I-Z-E-N for Couples. And the book is about relationships, all relationships, but it has a beautiful heart on the front and it says for couples, but don't be put off by that. In there, there's a technique that I developed and I think this is absolute gold And the reason I think that is I've had hundreds of people tell me it changed their lives. And that's what I call the personal weather report. When you have the absolute right, as I said earlier, to say what you think, feel, need, and want. And those are the elements of the personal weather report. At any time, I can say, I think that the dynamic is unbalanced. I feel threatened. I want things to work out. And I need to feel safe. That's a personal weather report. As opposed to saying, who do you think you are to talk to me like that that makes an unsafe workplace and you're a bully? One's fighting words. The other is a statement of who I am and what's going on for me at the moment. When we start to learn to deliver those personal weather reports, Whether or not anyone listens well or not, you are strengthening your self-esteem and your self-confidence and you're being assertive. Very, very important. I love the personal weather reports. That's awesome. And I think that creates a lot more accountability and ownership, doesn't it? Oh, it does. Because when we learn to tune into what we think, feel, need and want, and we can say it at the drop of a hat, then that's a good thing. You know, to be to be able to say to our partner, to our mother, to our child, whomever, that this is what I'm thinking, feeling, needing, and wanting, and to be clear within yourself as to being, you know, well, I don't know, I just don't like it. Well, that doesn't help anybody. But if you can say, I feel um, disrespected, or I feel unseen, or I feel something very specific, then you can help the relationship. Mm, I love that. I really do love that. That's awesome. So the other thing that I'd love to ask is what would be a piece of advice that you would like to give someone if they were wanting to embark on a new life or a new way of working or a new career with this in mind? Well, one day my daughter asked me, Mom, how do I tell people what you do in life? (laughs) And so I wrote this, and it's still the most important thing 25 years later. And it says, know what you value, know your vision for your life, know your beliefs, and know your goals, and make sure there's alignment in all of them. This is integrity, and it will bring you peace. Mm. So... You're saying that we as an individual understand exactly what your vision is, where you're going, so that's your big why, but I guess that underpins that, that drives that is your values. Mm-hmm. What about limiting beliefs? Because you're talking about beliefs like what are your beliefs, but what about limiting beliefs? How do we bring them to light so that we can have more positive beliefs moving forward? Well, 
naturally, I'm going to say this. It would seem to be natural because it's what I do all day, but it is also what my experience is, is that we do much better when we speak to somebody whose specialty is helping us with something like that. Mm. So someone who can hear what we're saying beneath what it is we are actually saying and ask questions about it that help you shine light on what is really going on. And particularly if you've had a hijackle in your life, Catherine, you have an impact and an imprint from that person that you may not have ever examined because it's just who you are. And it's imperative to go back and have a look because a hijackle parent tells you lies about who you are and you grow up believing them. Mm. Absolutely, that's true. That's it. You've got me thinking who's been some of those hijackal uh, individuals around my life in that imprinting phase. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes, and we all know one, whether or not they've been close to us or not, um, we all know one or are currently actively avoiding one. <laughs> yeah. So when you connect with your hijackal, for example, then how do you work with that? So how do you do the deep work or unpack that so that you can move forward and not let that keep playing out over and over again? Well, first of all, of course, you have to recognize the traits and the patterns and the cycles of hijackal behavior. And for, to that end, I have a free ebook, which everyone can have, and it's at hijackles.com, and it's called How to Spot a Hijackle. <laughs> so if you think you might have one, get that free resource and have a look. And just for everybody's information, you spell hijackles, hijack, A-L-S.com. And then when you, when you begin to see, uh-oh, they all behave like that, and they have most of those traits, I'm not crazy. That's what was really happening. When you start to see that pattern, those cycles, the traits that keep showing up over and over, you then begin to say, oh, this always was something that I felt that it was my fault or that I was contributing to this in a terrible way. I did not bring everything that I could. I wasn't compassionate enough. I was always rationalizing their behavior, making excuses for them, and therefore, I never stepped away. I never saw myself as separate. I did not think of myself as allowing myself to be defined by that hijackle. So the beginning is to be able to see the separation that has to occur between who they are and who you are. Mm, love that. So talk to Charlotte, what would be some of your greatest lessons learned throughout your journey? Well, I was raised in a pack of hijackals, my father's entire family, 10 of them, he had 10 brothers and sisters, all hijackals because his mother was a supreme hijackal and, and my mother was a, a hijackal. So I had many, many opportunities to learn this. Um, so that's what leads me, of course, to the work, as I said earlier. However, the thing that that really is a great lesson for me that's aside from that is that I learned that for my way of processing information in life, I'm better responding to what comes to me than rushing out and trying to make things happen. And that was a huge lesson for me because we live in a world that says, do more, be more, have more, you know, <clears throat> and uh, that's not my style. So that was a big lesson for me. 
That's so true, isn't it? And the other question we love to ask our woman of inspiration is pain points. We believe that everyone's got pain points. What would be some of your pain points and how do you move through them? Well, if you're raised by hijackals, you're going to have certain pain points. Everybody does. One of my pain points was the fear of rejection because, of course, I was rejected every moment that I breathed. (laughs) So I had to work that through because I am very successful and I've done a lot, written a lot. Um, people, People come to me from all over the world because I work through video conferencing. And so... I had to overcome that fear of rejection by the separation that I was speaking about earlier. I am not my parents. I am not like my parents. And I didn't like my parents. I am very, very different and separate. And I had to do my own work, come to know what my values are, what my vision for my life is, what all my beliefs are, where they came from. You know, whether you believe the world is an unsafe place or a safe place is a basic belief. So you have to work those things through. And so... You know, in my work life, my biggest pain point was that I had a fear of missing out. You know, I wanted to do everything and I could help all kinds of people, which I can. However, the solution to me was to focus on what it is that brings me the greatest joy. And that is my very deep, narrow niche, helping people solve problems and learn how to recover from being with a difficult, toxic person. And it's obviously through your own experiencing, that was the turning point for you, wasn't it? Yes, but just to give everybody a little breathing room here, uh, most people do not realize that they have been in a hijackal situation until they're at least in their 30s. Now, some people are waking up a little earlier because there's so much talk about narcissism. Um, why I just I developed the term hijackals and trademarked that term is because we needed, in my opinion, a non-clinical way to discuss pattern traits and cycles. Too many people were going to the Google goddess and saying, my partner behaves this way or my mother behaves this way. And the Google goddess with no credentials, would spit back a psychological diagnosis. And that's not safe. It's not a good place to come from because now you think you're superior to that person because you've got their number. But you are actually in relationship with that person, and that's where the work occurs. So I wanted people to realize that all hijackals drink from the same pool of traits. If if a hijackal went to a professional for diagnosis, which they will not do, if they went, what a professional like myself would be able to do is to look at all the traits that they're exhibiting over time, and there's a pool of traits that they would look at. And a narcissist has a certain uh, number of traits in a certain pattern, and a psychopath has some, and borderlines have them, and sociopaths have them. They're just different configurations of certain traits. So let's just learn to recognize the traits and how they work out, how they play out in relationship, and how I'm engaging with them, where they came from in my life, why they seem comfortably uncomfortable in the life I have now, and what is the life I most want. So what would be some of those traits, just so we get a real clear um, understanding between narcissist and hijackal? No, there is no, there's, there's no nothing difference. between them. No, hijackals deal, hijackals are all, are all the traits 
that you would find in a narcissist, sociopath, psychopath, histrionic, avoidant personality disorder, whatever number of words you want to put around it. All the traits exist. But if you find somebody who has maybe, well, I I have a product called Seeing the Cycles, which is a home study program to to look at the 10 major things that I call hallmarks of hijackles. If you find someone, as you go through that video program, and you find, wow, I'm with somebody who has eight of the 10 traits, well, you don't need a diagnosis. You need to be deciding how you're going to shape this relationship so it can see what can be changed and what can't be changed and then make a good decision about whether you want to be in it and whether you want it to be a model that your children will emulate. Mm. So what would be some of those 10 traits for our listeners just to, uh, in case they're sitting there being curious whether they're with or hijackle or not? Sure. The number one trait is in any conversation about any topic at any time, a hijackle will have a very deep need to win. Whether or not we're deciding where we're going for dinner or whether we're deciding on our life savings, the hijackle wants it their way all the time. And they will lie to win. They will say black is white in order to win in the moment. 20 minutes later, they will say black is red. And when you say, but you said black is white 20 minutes ago, they'll say, you don't listen very well, do you? Because they have a need to be right and to win in any moment. Mm. What would be some others? Well, I mentioned earlier that they will blame you for everything. Everything will be your fault. There is absolutely no question. If things go sideways, if things go wrong, if the weather isn't good, it will be your fault somehow. (laughs) They will bring it back to you. And the idea then again is to dominate. Another one is their lack of empathy. You want to tell them how you feel. They could care less how you feel. You want to engage them to have a little compassion for you. That's a sign to them to not have any compassion at all. Even though they don't have any to give, they will begin to talk about themselves and make you wrong for taking up their time with your problems. That's very interesting. I'm writing all this down. Thank you so very much. So do you think this has an impact in in, uh, why people fail to succeed in business? Do you think that this plays out uh, in business as well? Oh, of course it does. And in, in, in a few ways, Catherine, because say you're an, an, an entrepreneur, whether you start a business or, you know, you're just a person working out of your home or you're or an, um, a corporate entrepreneur, you're in the business, but you're running your own team or whatever. If you have had a background that I was speaking about earlier, where you had a hijackal there who lied to you about who you are, you may have some misgivings about how you do things. You may, you may have all the skills in the world and hold back. You may be afraid that people will leave you or you'll be rejected, as I said to you before about, about my early life, or that, that you will be left behind, or that someone else will steal the credit, or something will happen. And it will play out in the way that you do or don't play nicely with others at work. And if you're the entrepreneur, it can sabotage your entire business. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So what advice would you give your younger self now that you've gone through this amazing journey? Uh, what is, is that piece of advice you'd give yourself? 
trust your gut. You know, I used to look at my hijackal parents. I remember distinctly being six, seven years old and looking at them and they were fighting and I'm going, I think you're crazy. <laughs> you don't make any sense. What you're saying doesn't make any sense. What you're saying doesn't make any sense. And you're both angry and you're out of control. And then my father's control tactic would be to say, well, now you've made me sick and now I'm going to have to take a pill or lie down. And, um, you know, my younger self did trust her gut that these people were unbalanced and things were not going well. And yet I couldn't have possibly known because we have to remember we're born with an underdeveloped brain. Our brains don't solidify until we're 25. Every piece is not functional. So our younger selves, whatever age you're thinking of, did not ha had changing capacities in their ability to understand these things. So we want to let our younger selves off the hook some. If we didn't understand this, for sure let yourself off the hook because you couldn't possibly have understood it. But if you actually noticed and you felt that there was something definitely wrong in your family, trust your gut. There probably was and go and get help and try and figure it out. You know, that's why I have so many people from Alcorn. I've got several people in Australia that I work with. Um, and this is very important to get very specialized help. And let me say a word about that. I've had clients who have come to me and they said they were still in their relationship. And they said, we've been to six therapists and we finally found you and you're the only one who gets it. And that's because people have not experienced themselves, professionals have not experienced it themselves, and they're not used to seeing it. And the only time a hijackal will go with you to get help if you're in a couple's relationship is if they truly believe that they can seduce, charm, and manipulate the professional into believing them and have them as an ally against you. Oh, wow. That's amazing. So who's been uh, your influence along the way? Who's who's um, been there by your side? Oh, no one. <laughs> I can say that with absolute clarity, except for the last 13 years when I have had my absolutely fabulous, wonderful partner. And he is the, the biggest gift that I've had in my life beyond my children. Mm, that's beautiful. So what we do as we wrap up the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand. What would be that one word for you? I think the word would be supportive. Mm, of course, absolutely. And the other thing that we do is ask our woman of inspiration to pick three shiny golden nuggets for our listeners. So what would be those three shiny golden nuggets that you would like to leave for our listeners today? Oh, it's hard to choose three, but I, I would say... Be aware that you may have been influenced by toxic people and have a good look. Another would be remember that you're not here to live up to the expectations of other people, only to your own. And the third would be what I mentioned earlier, be assertive using my definition, which means believe you have the right to take up space and draw breath and at any time, without mentioning any other human, to say what you think, feel, need, and want. 
I love that uh, personal weather report. I wrote that down myself. I absolutely love it. So this is interesting because obviously the listeners will actually probably go through, as I am uh, through this interview, looking who are those hijackers in our life. And then I guess the next step is, you know, what to do about them. And this is where um, I think the personal weather report comes in nicely. It's how do you then work through those, what I think I feel I need and I want, which I absolutely love. Um, And I think that takes a lot of courage too. Do you find that people resist this part? When you're talking about being assertive, I mean, there's a level, even even myself, if I have to think about who I would need to have this conversation with, I feel a a little bit of a pull. Well, it is difficult. Because you've been in the relationship and it's been whatever um, whatever attributes the relationship has had, you have been participating. And once you realize that, hey, I don't care for this much, <laughs> I want to change, I see it for what it is and I don't want it to be like this any longer, it takes a great deal of courage, as you said, and then to believe that you deserve to have loving relationships healthy relationships. And the three words that I define any relationship to be healthy must have equality, reciprocity, and mutuality. And if those three things are not present, you're going to have trouble. So when you go to speak to this person, and actually, if you're going to confront the relationship, they're going to be quite surprised, and they're going to resist. Mm. Looking forward to uh, uh, for our listeners when they go through this experience. Love to hear some feedback as to how you went for sure. So, Dr. Shayla, where would be the place for the best place for our listeners to find you? My website is for f o r relationship help h e l p dot com for relationship dot com. You can find so much there. My blog, lots of things to listen to. I have three podcasts: the Relationship Help Show, Emotional Savvy, and Save Your Sanity. So there are many ways there that people can listen to things. And the other place, Catherine, is my YouTube channel, which is for relationship help. I love it. How do you find time to do three podcast shows and everything that you do? That's amazing. Well, I find it quite easy to do, actually, but, you know, it has to be what you decide. I spend a great deal of time in my office because this is what I'm most passionate about. This is my legacy to the world, helping people see earlier what I saw late. And even though I have a PhD in psychology, I did not see these things clearly until I was in my early 40s. I knew that it was all wrong. I knew I hated it. I I could give you the expert's words out of a textbook, but not until I went in and uncovered every last little thing that had been the, the gift that kept on giving from hijackal parents. Therefore, of course, I attracted hijackal partners. I had to divorce a hijackal partner. I had to co-parent with a hijackal partner. I've been there, done that, and I have the very, very ugly video. So it helps to have walked through that in order to have the empathy and the experience to say, I truly do know what you're going through. Mm. 
Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom and your knowledge with us. I'm sure people are going to reach out. I've taken lots of notes. So love the whole hijackle piece. We've never had this kind of conversation. So thank you so very much. No, thank you. It was a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. That brings us to the end of another episode. I hope you enjoyed the show as it is my mission to reach out and inspire as many individuals like you. And one of the best ways to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes. It's easy and it only takes about 10 seconds. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift. Where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next week, please take care of yourself.